listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 155 and 156 of Reading Through the Bible, and you are currently engaged in what is known as the oral tradition. That means we're just talking about it. We're glad you're with us. Where are we today, Matt? All right. Our Old Testament reading for today is found in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 6 through chapter 8. We are getting really into uh, the rule of David. Yes. So this is where it all begins, and you'll notice some kind of themes, the way the Lord uh, begins to give David, his servant, um, the throne over Israel, because he's got some big jobs ahead of him. I mean, right now, Israel is kind of like they were with the judges. They're, they're kind of in disarray, and uh, they just, with Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, uh, his murder, mm-hmm. they've just finally kind of politically said, David, you can be our king. Yes. So uh, in chapter 5, verse 6, the first thing uh, that happens is David chooses a capital city. Yeah. He says, I want uh, Jerusalem. Which, so if you remember, early in David's career, he, when he killed the well-known giant Goliath yes. and chopped his head off, he paraded the head of Goliath around the city of Jerusalem. So gross. And so to kind of like tell them, like, this will be you one day. Right. And that was like at least 12 years from this at event. At least, yeah. And so 15. now he's back. Well, no, it's even plus seven because yeah. he ruled. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's like 25 uh, years. He's like it's, it's 38 a, now or yeah. something. And it so. Happened, we think David and Goliath happened at about 16 to 18 yeah, years yeah. old. And so now he's back and he's like, I, I want this city, but it's a stronghold. It's on a mountain. Um, it's very well defended and hard to get to. Yeah. And the Jebusites who control Jerusalem are mocking David, saying, uh, we could hold you off with our blind and our lame. Right. Like, what can you do to us? Like, you can do nothing to us. And so you just have to kind of imagine, yeah, like on top of cliffs or something. It's just really hard to attack. Yeah. So, yeah, they're making fun of him. And David, that's just not how you handle David. <laughs> David's like, whatever, let's take it. And yeah. they take it. Yeah, and they take it. Pretty easily. And... Uh, he and it becomes called, known as the city of David, and that's where he sets up his kingdom. Uh, and it's more centrally located, so it makes sense for him. And he's also fulfilling like what the Israelites were supposed to do, which is drive out all the Canaanites right. from the land. And like these were a Canaanite city, like in the middle of the land of the and this city Canaan. had never been taken taken mm-hmm. so it's funny to think that we just think jerusalem is like the headquarters but really we've seen shiloh we've seen mm-hmm. i don't know other you know it's been uh, moving around Hebron. and so it, it really sent we get the central place so this is a big part of the story and jerusalem's going to become central to everything uh yeah and then uh people like other kings start to recognize like oh david's kind of serious so they start to give tributes to him to build him like a a palace to live in and then David does go the way of most kings and starts to collect uh, concubines and wives well, like this, he's collecting Pokemon exactly this is such a good um, it's like a good character arc because David 
does so many things right, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about that. But this is an area where he just he doesn't do it right. No. The the word of God, the Bible, or the word of God, the scriptures plainly say that the king of Israel is to have one wife. Mm-hmm. Like we're not going to do it the way that that the worldly kings do it. But David does. He takes a bunch of concubines. And he has a bunch of kids because not only is the king of Israel, he's virile, he's fertile, mm-hmm. and he produces a line, a strong, uh, he's raising up a nation, yeah. uh, literally and physically. Mm-hmm. And so that's all symbolic of that. And um, unfortunately, David falls into that. Yes. But it doesn't, you know, you could read that and go, well, how did, was he blessed? How did he still become like... Yeah, I know. And that's the beauty, though. What I, what I love about it is it shows David's weaknesses because as we journey with Christ, there's going to be great things about you. Yeah. God's doing amazing things. But at the same time, we could go back and read. At the same time something great's happening in you, you're making a horrible decision. <laughs> and you're kind of sowing seeds of death in that area. Mm-hmm. But God is big enough to walk with us and to accomplish our purposes. And I do feel like you're, you're going towards God or away from God. And so David has these mistakes, but he's moving towards God. When you see Saul... He's moving away from God constantly the whole yeah. time. So it's uh, all about because God wants a relationship with us. Right. He doesn't want us to just do the right thing to check off the box and, and then manipulate like, I'm him. doing the right thing, so therefore I get blessing. It's, I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. Sorry, I, I immediately went into robot voice without even thinking about robot it. Robot voice. I've been playing a robot all week at a vacation Bible school. So yeah, that's, weird. that's why we're coming at it that all way. All right. Anyways. Anyway, so David's set up, and then the first thing that happens are the Philistines, because they're kind of loosely occupying all this territory. Yeah, they've been, especially on the coast of the Mediterranean, the Great Sea, uh, to the west, they've been really there, and have strongholds there, and so now they realize, oh man, David's king, he's totally flipped on us. And he's establishing a very firm kingdom, so we are going to come in force against this guy. They're so mad, and they know him. Like, mm-hmm. they spent time with him, yeah. so it's like a huge betrayal, yeah. and they know how strong and smart he is. But, the, uh, but this is where David, um, for all his faults, this is what he does right. Yes. And it's something so easy. See, I don't think I could be a warrior. I don't know if I could be like him, mm-hmm. but I can be like this. Yes. He simply says, uh, okay, Lord, I hear the Philistines are coming up. So David inquired of the Lord. And he just says, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? He just goes to the Lord. Yeah. And God talks to him and says, and God communicates, yeah, go up. I'll be with you. And um, I'll certainly give the Philistines into your hands. So then um, there's a little, this is the one though where there's a little catch though. How shall I go up? Is this where the, the balsam no, trees? No, so, so this is like the first one. And... He defeats them in this valley, and he and he says, The Lord has burst through the, my enemies before me like a bursting flood, and he calls it uh, Baal Perazim, which means the Lord has burst through. That's right. Then uh, they the Philistines like actually abandon their idols. I love this, like it's a little note where the Philistines like are in such a hurry to flee from the army of David, they abandon their idols, and so they take all the idols and like burn them. They, yeah. they, so they carry them away. So they clean the land it's of perfect. these false gods. And so then the Philistines come up again. And again, David inquires of the Lord. 
And the Lord says, this time, you shall not go up. Go around to their rear and come against them opposite the balsam trees. And when you hear the sound of marching in the, top, in the tops of the balsam trees, then rouse yourself. For then the Lord has gone out before you to strike down the army of the Philistines. So many cool things here. The, the most basic thing for me is David having had victory. It's the same thing. And yeah. so it would be easy for him just to go, I'm going to go do the same thing. Yeah. I've, but he asked the Lord. And for some reason, every time we repeat things in our lives, we had victory once before, it doesn't mean it's a new story. Right? Yes. Every story is a new story. So you've got to go back to the Lord and say, what do I do? And this time God's like, why wouldn't God, you'd think, why wouldn't God just say, go up, I'll beat him. Yeah. But see, God's engaging you in a relationship. Mm-hmm. So he's like, you know what would be cool this time? You go this way. Trust me. I'm going to send this rushing wind, mm-hmm. and when you hear the rushing wind, invisible army. know that's the troops of the Lord mm-hmm. going before you. It's so cool, but see, this adds like the spice of life. Mm-hmm. Variety is the spice <laughs> of life, but it adds layers of trusting, and it actually yeah. becomes more fun than just doing the same thing, saying, oh, I figured this out. Mm-hmm. I figured this out. Now I'm happily married. Mm-hmm. I figured this out. Now I have every meal planned the rest of my life. You know what I mean? Like right. We want that, but we don't. We weren't created for that. And I have so many stories, but I don't, we don't have time. But uh, where you just start to act. That. Well, long story short. Can I tell you a story? Okay. I put in a ceiling fan. I got three ceiling fans. I have three kids. They needed new ceiling fans. I put one in. took about an hour and a half. First time. Following the directions. Doing everything perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, I went in to put in one for my daughter, my other daughter. And uh, I thought, I already know how to do this perfectly. I'm just going to do it. I got going. And I wanted to test it, and it didn't wasn't working. Anyway, it took me. I switched it out. I looked up online. I did. I did all these things. It took me three hours. Oof. Before you know what I I realized. What? I put in the old one. I thought I'm gonna have to get an electrician. I'm just gonna put it up here. Whatever. So I put it all up there. Totally defeated. And thinking I have need an electrician. And then I thought, oh wait, I never pulled the chain. <laughs> So I pulled the chain and the fan starts going. I was totally like I spent three hours because I forgot to pull the chain. You know what I mean? But yes. but this is that story where it's easy for us to think we got it. I don't need to invite the Lord in. I don't need to do like the simplest things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had the breaker box off. I was getting ready to change a fuse in the breaker box, which I've never done. And thank God, God's like, don't touch that. You're out of your league. You're out of your league, Johnny. And so, uh, but anyway, I just love the heart of David is yes. to inquire. And that's what I'm seeking for myself. Like, I need to inquire of the Lord every time and not just assume, oh, I've been here. I know mm-hmm. how to do it. I, I'll do this, this, and this, and I'll just get done with it. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, man, enjoy the ride. So David gets victory there. Yep. And, and then he starts engaging the, the Ark of God, right? Yes. The Ark of the Covenant. Just to prep us on this. For whatever reason, our God always wants to meet us in physical things. Yes. So an ark, a burning bush, in bread and wine, in a human, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Like he's always mixing the physical and the spiritual because he knows that's how we were created. So yeah. God now is saying, I am in this box. I've been in this box. I'm going to be here. And that might mm-hmm. sound crazy to you at first, but it's really gracious because no other God mm-hmm. even attempts to come to earth. You yeah. have to go up to them yeah, because they're uh, demonic. Mm-hmm. They can't. They don't have power over the physical, so they can't come down and do this stuff. So, all right. I'll, I'll stop there and let you 
tell the story. Oh, okay. So, if you remember, the Ark of the Covenant was taken by the Philistines, and the Philistines put it on a cart eventually because it was like sending plagues. It was bringing judgment onto all their cities. Tumors and the yeah. Black Plague. So they sent it away, and it went to one town, and that town, like all the guys were like touching it and died. Yeah. And so then they send it to another town, and there's like a Levitical peop- like people there, a families there, and so they take care of it and they handle it for the time it's there. And so David now goes to, the, to that city and says, I want to move it to Jerusalem. I want to move it to the capital. Right. Well, he wants to be blessed because yeah. he realized, oh, God shows up. Yeah. And, and this is the guy that God talks to, so you'd think... Mm-hmm. I don't need a box. I can talk to God anywhere. Mm-hmm. I can go golfing on Sunday right. or on my boat. It's fine. Right. David's not like that. He's like, no. God says he's in this thing. I want to be about it. And if my king, if my central kingdom is going to be in Jerusalem, I want God to be in Jerusalem. Yeah, because you are blessed when you are with God. Yeah. Period. And so he goes there and asks them to bring it to him. And so the, the thing that they do is they then recreate kind of what the Philistines did. Like the yes. pagans handled the uh, the ark by putting it on a cart and sending it on with like uh, heifers who've never like pulled a cart before. Right. And so these Levites then are like, well, let's put it on a new cart and like lead it in. And they're supposed to, the, the original system was that the Levites and a certain family of the Levites... Right were supposed to carry the Ark of the Covenant on poles. And instead, they're putting it on a cart, and they're going to march it into Jerusalem. Well, think about this. God is upset because not only in one place, it's like two places, many times, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, it's mm-hmm. the king is supposed to read. Like Saul hasn't been reading yeah. the word for 400 years. The judges, they're so disconnected mm-hmm. from the clear scripture that God has given them on how to handle his presence on earth right. that they're more influenced by the Philistines who sent it back. Yes. And so God is like, look, I'm going to have mercy on you guys because I still want to be with you. Yes. I love you. But how do you not know how to handle these? This is These things will kill you. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, Uzzah and uh, what's his other buddy's name? Uh uh, Ahio. Ahio. Yes. They're carrying it. They're not set apart in the line of Aaron. Yeah, they're, so they're not technically... I don't think they're technically priests. They're Levites, but they're not like the, of the priestly but line. But remember, there was a line, though. The, ca- mm-hmm. the Kor- Korah was supposed to handle... Or who was supposed to move these things? Um, it was Korah. It, well, it was Aaron's family. Like, it was the well, other... they could touch it, but then there was other people that were supposed yeah, to move it. Yeah, it was the same it. clan. And move, it was okay, Aaron, okay. Moses' clan. Cool, cool. Um... So, so, yeah, they were supposed to move it and handle that stuff, but I don't think Uzzah and Ahio are part of that clan, and I don't think, and they definitely don't know how to move the Ark. And right. so they're moving it on a cart, and, but as they're moving it, David and the house of Israel, they're all, like, happy, they're singing, they're dancing before the Lord, they're, like, having this, basically a, a parade so, to it, Jerusalem. Yeah, here's why we're telling you this, <clears throat> because someone's going to die for touching the Ark. Yeah. So to set the scene... It's like Mardi Gras parade. David yeah. has taken off the royal robes. He's dancing around, singing every six steps. No. Oh, wait. This is... This is uh, different? Yeah. Okay. Well, they're singing, and mm-hmm. they're having a joyous time, mm-hmm. bringing the Ark of God, bringing blessing, and then it starts to tip. Uzzah puts out his hand to keep it from falling. Yeah. Like Good it's intentions. On his cart, it's about to fall, and he, he's like, oh, don't let it fall. And, and so he saves the Ark from falling. Right. But as soon as he touches it, the Lord 
kills him. And you know what? When I first heard this, so David gets upset and is scared. He's like, God, what are you doing? And he doesn't want the ark now. Yeah. And so he puts it somewhere else for three well, months. Well, he's he where it, it was. He just stops the procession and it's like, it stays here so now. I've always looked at this kind of like David did. Mm-hmm. Like, why? God, why are you so mean? Why are mm-hmm. you still killing? But now I, I realize, like, if Uzzah had just let it drop, the people who should have known how to handle it would have been punished. Like, God could have dealt with them. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if he would have killed them. We don't know. I don't know. But you can't touch the glory of it. It's like, right. you got to think of God here. I mean, it says God killed him because he was mad. Mm-hmm. He's mad because the glory of God is being illegitimately approached and handled. And handled. I mean, it is and kind it of like, supposed to be covered. Supposed and to we be, don't know if it's covered. Everything going is going wrong mm-hmm. here. And and I mean, think about this. It's like it is like touching a hot stove. Yeah. Yeah. No, so it, it says the is. Lord killed him. But I I'm starting to think the Lord is so big. God is so big, and like the sun that if I just touch the sun and I died. Mm-hmm. It'd You're like, like oh, why, killed. God? Yes, yeah. why, son? And especially if you worship the mm-hmm. son, you'd be like, why did you kill? Um, so it's confusing to us, but you start to realize when we get involved trying to save the day and trying to be Jesus, mm-hmm. that God has a plan. And if the thing had fallen, I think God would have corrected and said, you need to look at the word of God, David. But Uzzah dies. Three months later, this is where... Is this where they, Yeah, so, the, they bring so the house of Obed-Edom is where it is staying yes. for three months and that house is like apparently visibly blessed like everyone knows like this is a blessed house because the ark of the lord is there and so david realizes okay the lord is still bringing blessing he's he's not angry at israel he right. was just mad at that moment and so then they he gets some levites together and they bring the ark and it sounds like they actually handle it the right way and this is where, for six miles, David is dancing in front of the, the Ark of the Covenant and sacrificing a ox and a fattened calf for every six steps. Which How many steps crazy. are in a mile? I don't need to know. Uh, I used to know. That's math I don't need to know. Well, what's amazing, it's almost like he's making up for all the offerings that have missed out. Yes. And so this takes a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, as he's coming back into Jerusalem, is it, yeah, he's bringing it into Jerusalem. Um, his wife, who he got back from Saul, Saul's daughter, yes. we call her Michelle. Yeah. It's Michal. But she is upset and hates David in this moment. Her heart turns against him because she's like, you aren't wearing your royal robes. You're disgracing yourself. Mm-hmm. And she tells him. She's like, you're a disgrace. And yes. this is where uh, David just goes, you know what? It was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord. And I will make merry before the Lord and I will be abased in your eyes. But by the female servants of whom you have spoken, because she's like, you're embarrassing yourself in front of these females. He says, by them shall I be held in honor. Mm -hmm. And then she's barren until she dies. Yeah. Um, I had one thing too with the barrenness. It just reminded me, you know, like David took all these cute concubines and he's fertile. And you know, Jesus, our king, he doesn't take any wives. Right. Because he's setting up, and I think God is setting up too, that I will give birth to people, their hearts. I will give them new hearts and new minds. You mm-hmm. don't need to, it's not like the way we build armies on this world. Mm-hmm. And so by taking all those concubines, he does uh, open up headaches. Yeah. Well, I think... So now we got 
Seven and eight. I know. Yeah. Here's what I, I want to do for seven and eight. Tell me, you fill in. You fill yeah. in the cracks. Yeah, go for it. But basic seven and eight is worth reading <clears throat> and remembering, because it's seven is pretty much God's covenant, his to promise to David, and then eight is David's promise to God, and they're so. Uh, and I know there's more in there, but they are worth reading because it's just beautiful. David asks. He wants to bring the, uh, the ark into and build a house for God. And then God reminds David, like anytime there's a covenant, it's mm-hmm. like, I'm promising. This is like a deal between real estate agents, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, here's the deal. I'm going to bless your house forever, David. Mm-hmm. You stay with me and it's all going to be good. Yeah, so David is like feeling it. He has the ark and he wants to build a temple. He's like, I have a palace. Why shouldn't the Lord have a, right. his own house? Good instincts. And... Even the prophet Nathan that was with David is like, go, do whatever's in your heart. The Lord is with you. But then the Lord comes to Nathan and says, no, I don't want him to build. He's not going to build me the temple. His son will. Right. But he he won't. I haven't lived in a house since I brought the people out of Egypt. I've been in a tent. I've never asked for one. I don't need one. So I will, but then he makes this amazing, beautiful promise to David of, I will bless you. I will bless your line forever. I will love your son. And he makes this cool little promise about David's son. And it could be, it usually when God makes like promises or prophecies, it's like a both and. Right. And so it's about Solomon, the immediate right. uh, heir to the kingdom. And then it's also about Jesus. Right. So it's this cool thing about how God is going to love the son of David. And then David responds with complete gratitude yeah. and uh, thanks. It's perfect. It's, uh, for you, O Lord God, have spoken, and with your blessing shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. Mm-hmm. And so this is why Jesus is a fulfillment. He's in the line of David. It's so important because there was a covenant of blessing for David to rule over God's people. Forever. And forever. then Jesus now rules over the people forever. forever. It's perfect. And, uh, and then in chapter 8, it just, the blessing begins, really. Now David starts not just defeating local enemies, but he starts to get victory over international, like mm-hmm. the, the nations that, that surround yes. the promised land, he's taking on. And, um, and the more he beats them, the more other nations are going, hey, we want to be with you. Oh, yeah, let's uh, make sure we're cool. So, yeah, he goes through, and it's a like just a list of... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, all the nations, and it's all the problem nations, like um, Moab and Edom, and uh, oh, there's like a, an amazing so, Moab, Edom, the Ammonites, the Philistines, Amalek, like, and then he the even Syrians he even goes up against the Syrians, which yeah. are um, uh, the huge power north of Israel. They're gonna be a problem, and they're gonna be a problem later because they're they're a big they're a big powerhouse and so but he is having victory over all of them they're all submitting to him and he's looting them all and they're giving him tributes and he's all giving it to the lord and he's like storing up these treasures for the day that when his son solomon will build the temple he will use all the treasures from all these nations so pretty cool and and then it ends with david's officials Mm -hmm. so everything's like coming together the kingdom is being unified and then he has his cabinet and they list all of his cabinets. His sons act as advisors and kind of priests to him. Mm-hmm. So people want to deal with the king. They go through his sons. 
and everything is set up. And then they actually do get two legitimate priests. Uh, so as far as we knew, Ahimelech, who was running around with him, yeah. like his whole family was killed by Saul. Except for one. And, except yeah. for Ahimelech, yeah. and he ran and was running with David. But then they find another Zadok, uh, the son of Ahitub, uh, and Zadok uh, is of the line of Aaron. Nice. And, and his line will actually play out uh, for a while. So you got prophet Nathan right now, mm-hmm. you got priests, and you got the king. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is our prophet, priest, and king. But this is a high point, a really good point. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have some good points in the story. Yeah. Because a lot of chapters have been dedicated to the low points. But God's man, he had, I just love that he anointed him mm-hmm. when he was probably 16. Yeah. And it wasn't until he was 30 that he started to slowly, and now he's like... He's probably about uh, 38, 39, almost almost 40 and when everything's coming together because he's going to rule till he's 70. Is it 25 years that Abraham had to wait for yeah. Isaac? Yep. So David had to wait like 25 years yeah. for the kingdom? Man. And you and I, you know, we go, to, we go to summer camp and we hear the Lord loves us and has great things for us and two weeks later we're like, that must have been crazy. Nothing's happened. <laughs> and that's why it's so important to know the story, people. Yeah. You might be... I know. In fact, I will speak directly to you, listener. You're in the middle of a great journey. God has so many great plans for you. Mm-hmm. But you might only be on year six. It's not going to come to fruition until year 25. So yes. hang in there. Yes. It's worth it. It actually is worth it. I feel like I'm far from being finished. I feel like I'm about year 12. Like I'm just finished being chased by Saul. <laughs> All right, let's go to the New Testament. Our New Testament reading for today is Acts chapter 1, verse 23 through chapter 2. So I jumped the gun last episode. I went, I actually covered the end of Acts chapter 21, or Acts chapter 1. Perfect. And uh, again, it's the replacing the apostle they need 12 apostles and so they do the cast they ask god and they cast lots between um joseph and matthias and it falls on matthias and he becomes uh the 12th apostle did you catch why they did that i never really knew because this is the last you get like the the importance of the 12 apostles Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem that important Maybe it's because we go Acts and then we get into the books of Paul. Yeah. But I guess the function of it is, as we approach Pentecost, all the tribes... Are gathering together. At least one... I mean, I don't know if all the tribes even still exist at this time. Not really. But, like, there's this... this, It's important to have all the tribes represented, Mm -hmm. which is really cool. So they Mm -hmm. fill Judas, they fill his spot, and they ask the Lord. They act like David here, and they're like, God, show us which one. They prayed and they said, Lord, you know the hearts of all. Show which one of these two you have chosen mm-hmm. to take place in the ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. Uh, and so the apostle really means sent ones. So these guys are a little bit different than you and me. Yes. Because they are sent to give the message of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. Really, it's a ministry of peace between man and God in the name of Jesus Christ. They believe that you might be saved. And so they're going to be the first ones to take this out to the ends of the earth. But yes. to do that, you got to have you have your 12, everybody's in place, mm-hmm. and then you got to have uh, the major engine behind all this is the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. 
And so in chapter 2, we have the day of Pentecost. And the day of Pentecost is 50 days after the Passover Sabbath, and it was a holiday set up by God to celebrate the harvest, celebrate right? the, the new harvest. Right, which is what we the are. first fruits, which is awesome that it all lines up. It's seasonal, and I love how it lines up with the season. And it lines up with our story about David. Mm-hmm. There sounds like a mighty rushing wind filled yes. the entire house. So as the apostles are sitting there, there's wind. Mm-hmm. Wind, which is the ruach, which is the word in Hebrew... Yes. To describe when God spoke, mm-hmm. it's his breath, it's his creative word, and it blows and it rushes, or it's his mighty army, you know what I mean? It's so cool. Mm-hmm. But the wind fills the house, and then there's tongues. Of fire. Of fire. And it rested on each one of them. So Which, again, I am completely reminded of the Israelites wandering through the wilderness right. with the tabernacle, and you had the cloud or the wind, yeah. and you had the fire dwelling above the tabernacle to lead and guide and so like jesus leaves so that we might be led and guided by god himself and we are now the tabernacle we are the temple of god i know and so the wind the rushing wind and the tongues of fire are now resting over man but how he's going to pass it along and grow our kingdom is not by the sword and not by having Mm -hmm. more babies but it's going to be through people speaking and so he gives them tongues the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they start speaking in all the languages because the Jews had been dispersed. Mm-hmm. So they're in Greece. They're they're all over the place. They're coming in, and one of the disputes was how to do the service in the temple because no one knew the Hebrew anymore. Right. And so um, the Spirit allows them to speak in all the languages. Yeah. For and this is the opposite of the Tower of Babel. It's a reversal. It's yeah. total reversal where the languages were separated to go and create their own cultures. Now the gospel and the Holy Spirit's presence brings everyone together to hear one message. Mm-hmm. It's about unity. And uh, so they preach so that every nation under heaven can hear it. And in fact, they list some of the nations. It's so many. I mean, yeah, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, 11, Egypt, 12, 13, 14, anyway, 15, 16, it looks like 16. Mm-hmm. And then they say, so some of the cynics, though, are like, you guys are drunk, man. You're speaking gibberish. <laughs> yeah. And Peter is so cool. He's like, no, man, it's not even noon yet. Yeah. He doesn't say we don't drink. <laughs> he just says, you know we don't get drunk till later. Yeah. <laughs> so this is not drunk. Men of Israel, and how far are we going in today's room? All, all of two. All of chapter two. So um, they're not drunk. But then he quotes Joel because, see, the apostles are rooted in the Old Testament. Yeah. So they're like, no, 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 Joel talked about this day. Mm-hmm. And when he quotes Joel, he talks about, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh and mm-hmm. your sons and daughters will all, basically, you'll all be the temple of God. Mm-hmm. And you'll know it because these great and mighty things will have happened. Mm-hmm. And so when we read this, we see uh, wonders in heaven, signs on earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes. The great and magnificent day. We see that as Jesus' death and resurrection. Like mm-hmm. when there was earthquakes, uh, there was darkness, there's great and marvelous works had been done. Mm-hmm. And then it says, and shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yeah, and that's where we're in right now. Right. Where we call upon the Lord. So... I do love that. Uh, And then uh, he goes on and very clearly, very boldly is like, these words are talking about Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified. And God 
brought him here, he did all these signs and wonders, and you killed him. And well, I love how he just, like, bluntly is like... Well, that's <clears throat> a big deal for Peter. Yeah. Because, you know, he was scared to say, uh, I don't know him. And now he's going, you guys killed him. You guys killed him. And everyone... And, and really, it's like, we did? We're from other places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Okay. And then he preaches, right? Yeah, he preaches. He quotes uh, David. <clears throat> he's, like, really rooted in the scripture, right. uh, in the Old Testament. And he's... Um, quoting the Psalms and tying the Old Testament and saying like it was all about Jesus and this is how it's all about Jesus and he's very like, very bold and confident about connecting Jesus to David and he's like he's the son of David he's the one that the Lord talked about and promised that he would love and establish the rule of David forever uh, and well he even mentions um knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne. So this mm-hmm. is quoting what we just read. Uh, yeah. It's so amazing. I know. Quoting what we just read in God's covenant with David. Like, Peter remembers it. And so when you're reading, too, the New Testament, sometimes the quotes don't make sense. Mm-hmm. You're like, wait, is that a... It's not a proof text. Right. It's a connection of thoughts. Like, you got to know the story to connect it. So yes. Uh, when I read this now, I'm going, oh, this is going back to a covenant God made with David. Mm-hmm. It's not proof that, oh, he's in the law. You know, it's not proof. It's just like mm-hmm. connections. That's how they use it. That's why sometimes it seems loose or not. If you don't know the story, you're like, I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, so he gives this amazing sermon. And it, I love in chapter 2, verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Right. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is not for <clears throat> you, is for you, and for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Dude, so Peter, Peter now is preaching and proclaiming the gospel. Mm-hmm. What a flip, you know? And then what is he saying? When they say, what do we do? Repent and be baptized. He doesn't even say pray a prayer. No. He doesn't say like, do this or that. He says, repent, which is to say, dear God, help me. I see my sin. Yeah, I need you. I need a savior. And the beauty of repentance is absolution. So Mm -hmm. like, uh, just repenting, you can say sorry over and over again and it never makes you feel better. Because if you're doing it just to be obedient, I said sorry. The real gift of repentance is the faith to believe that you're forgiven. Yes. That's called absolution. Mm-hmm. And that's why he says, repent and be baptized. Yeah. Because baptism is the absolute absolution of all absolutions. It's the washing of the... Yeah. That's, it's, it's where God covenants to you. So you mm-hmm. repent and you say, I believe I need you. I've sinned. And baptism is where God says, I am showing up to cleanse you. I'm acting on your behalf. And you're my child. You're my child. You get the inheritance. Believe now. it. And so we rest in our baptism mm-hmm. that in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and for the, it says you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you're forgiven, mm-hmm. but then you're absolved from that old life of sin into a new life that has the power to do the two things that we could never do on our own. Mm-hmm. Love God and love each other. And, and that, it's for our children. <clears throat> yeah, I love Baptize that. Baptize your children. Yeah. Like, put it all over. Like, don't hold withhold this. Uh, and then it says... In chapter, or in verse 41, 
So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Dude, Peter did this. He built a mega church in one day without a PowerPoint, mm-hmm. smoke machine, electric guitars, hymn- <laughs> hymnals, vestments, no stained glass. How did he do it? <clears throat> and this is what we're all trying to, us yeah. church planters, like, I want to build a church like that. Well, what do we know, Matt? How did he do it? Uh, the Lord did it. Right. The Lord builds his church, mm-hmm. period. The Lord gives life, breathes life into dead things. He turns the lights on. We simply proclaim. We were guys yesterday, we were scared for our lives, denying Christ. And today we're like, Christ saves. You guys need to repent and be baptized. And then the Lord does it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, at the end of chapter 2, it gives a little snapshot of how the fellowship of believers kind of worked. Uh, there's like wonders and signs being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They like, they got together, they kind of built like a little community. They sold their possessions and shared with everyone. And well, they're, they're going to the temple to get, they're all about Jesus. Yes. And so again, we're trying to create the recreate communities like this, you know, like, Oh, this is what we want. But the key verse at the very end of chapter two is, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. It's the Lord's work. The Lord's he work. He builds his church. And, I mean, yeah. it's We just show up. I think, and I think, too, it's not bad to want this, but you can't make this every... What, what this really is, is where we gather around Jesus and his power. Mm-hmm. Man, we can expect him to show up in rever- death-reversing ways. Mm-hmm. So forgiveness of sin, healings, and new energy and generosity and unity. And so come Holy Spirit, fill our community with this kind of love. And um, you know what? I'm going to take encouragement today that if Peter can preach and just simply say, repent and be baptized, you and your children, and for all who are far off, then I'm going to do the same thing and ask the Lord to build our church. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Today I'm going to read Psalm chapter 69, verse 29 through 36. I am afflicted and in pain. Let your salvation, O God, set me on high. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns and hoofs. When the humble see it, they will be glad. You who seek God, let your hearts revive. For the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his own people who are prisoners. Let heaven and earth praise him the seas and everything that moves in them. For God will save Zion and build up the cities of Judah. The people shall dwell there and possess it. The offspring of his servants shall inherit it. And those who love his name shall dwell in it. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Let him build it today.